0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the Youth of the Nation podcast. You're listening to episode two. I'm really loving out putting out this content, putting out episode one. The feedback for it has been amazing. I've been getting texts and calls and emails from friends about how excited they are uh, to listen to the podcast and to hear from the podcast. So super cool, super exciting. Thank you so much for listening and also for just starting this dialogue and having conversations. I first want to start with something serious, um, something important, and uh, it's just prayer and support for the victims and all those impacted by the Jacksonville Madden shooting. Um, I, I was scrolling through Twitter, which usually doesn't lead to a good place, but it's the, f- the top story. Mass shooting in Jacksonville two confirmed dead at the moment. 11 injured, shooters at large. And I instantly got this anger in me because then it turned into a an hashtag, and hashtag Madden shooting, hashtag Jacksonville shooting, hashtag August, end of August shooting. And to me, this is a greater problem And I'm not here to get into the politics of that right now. I don't believe that's my job. I don't really know what my job is. But I do know that my job is to pray for those that have been impacted by this shooting. Or by school shootings. I have had constant, just not memories, but... Every time I'm like, hey, there hasn't been a mass shooting, there is a mass shooting. Sometimes it's tough as a man of faith to walk through that and not feel instant. What is going on? What is happening? And all I say is that people of Jacksonville, if you have friends who are in Jacksonville, pray for them tonight. Pray for them right now. Pray for them today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now for the people of Jacksonville. And this happened last week on Sunday. And we're just going to pray for those lives. Because those lives that have been impacted, the sons or the daughters that have been killed, the sons that have been killed in this tragic, tragic happening, they don't get to wake up next week and say it's all okay. Even with people who have had friends injured, they don't get to wake up and say it's okay the next day. I get, a, I wake up and I'm impacted by it, but it hasn't impacted me directly. But I can tell you, the amount of mass shootings that have happened, it's beginning to impact me in such a way where I feel an instant anger. And I don't want to know the shooter's name because it's not important. What's important is to know that we remember the lives that were hurt. And how can we make sure that this really, truly never happens again. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for the people of Jacksonville. I pray that they can know that they are loved beyond belief. And right now, they don't see that. They don't, they don't see it. And it makes sense on why they would not see it. Lord, I pray that your peace can fall down, rain down on Jacksonville. And that they can be shown your love, and shown your peace, Lord, and shown your grace, God. God, thank you for being good. God, thank you for being you, and Lord, as again pray over Jacksonville and all that were there, and all that though. Thank you for those that are safe, and we just thank you, Lord. I know it's hard right now. It's hard for a lot of people to say, oh, thank you, Lord. God, we just pray your peace falls over people. In then name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for doing that with me. Uh, I don't want to start with a song. I just kind of just wanted to start straight up with that and not get it out of the way, but we can talk about it. So lead well, young leader. We're going to start with Lead Well Young Leader and Lead Well Young Leader, let's talk about mental health. Now, as soon as I started talking about mental health, there's two people that are listening to this podcast right now. There's a one side of the group that's saying, yes, we're talking about mental health. I deal with depression. I deal with anxiety. I deal with all types of disorders that affect the way I operate on a daily basis. Some of you are saying, what's mental health? Why do we need to talk about it? I don't think it's a biblical principle. and I don't understand why so many young people want to talk about it. This generation is the saddest that the generations have been. This generation constantly thinks they're not good enough. They constantly let comparison kill who God has called them to be, even though they don't even know who God has called them to be constant. Some some kids believe that they've deserve what they have when they really have just been blessed with what they have. But bottom line, the suicide rates are going up. Kids being hurt are going up. Kids hurting themselves and kids hurting others are going up because of this mental health. So I believe as young leaders and people that are leading young people we have to say we have to talk about mental health we have to facilitate a conversation now how do we do that i don't i don't know that's kind of i don't know but i do want to mention kind of what i've been feeling about mental health and how i believe i can help myself again i'm preaching to myself when i'm sharing this and also you that are listening to lead well for young people. First, I want to say beware of the things you say. I mean, when we talk about depression or anxiety, we have a sense to embellish about what we're actually talking about. I we say, well, this person is depressing. This person is anxious. And we also tend to put the person down when they begin to say that they are depressed or that they are anxious. It's true. Because when these kids speak and they say, you know, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with anxiety. There's been so many times when I've said, no, you're just sad. Stop. Stop doing that. Stop being depressed. But it's a mental state that they are trapped in and that they are stuck in. And I wish I could look the kids in the eye and say, hey, you're okay. Snap out of it. But some kids, some people are stuck in this idea they are not good enough, that no one thinks they're good enough, that it's their fault, that they're struggling that whatever sin they have committed they will commit forever that they cannot repent and turn and grow from it that's what we find our young people in and this is what I found in the friends that I had when I was younger and they fled from Jesus or whatever you want to say is that they made that call They said, I'm going to follow God. But then the thoughts of I'm not enough, it's all my fault, I believe crept into their head. And some of my friends I look at and I say, I miss you. Not judging, not trying to be like, oh, judgy, like, bro, what are you doing? But I miss you and I miss hanging out with you and I miss talking Jesus with you. So all I'm saying is that mental health needs to be talked about. It it, it has to be a conversation. You know, and I also believe that we also have to understand that sometimes you can't help, young leader. Sometimes you can't help, youth pastor. Sometimes you can't help, pastor. Sometimes we need to send these people to professional help. And I'm talking to myself. As a young man that deals with anger, uh, from just a lot of different, my past life and just the way life gets. I just get angry quickly. I punched a hole through the wall a couple of weeks ago, just being vulnerable. And I deal with anger, and I can get angry very quickly. and I can flip a switch very quickly. Now, I had, I had my young life leader tell me, have you ever thought about getting like professional help? I was like, yeah, you know, I thought about it. I talked about it. I prayed about it. Then I pushed a hole in the wall and they said, well, Nate, have you actually ever thought about getting professional help? I was like, oh, yeah, I should have looked into that. And then my girlfriend says, hey, Nate, have you looked into getting professional help? Three times I've been reminded that, hey, Nate, you are going to the right people but they can't give you what you need. Someone that can actually facilitate a conversation and not try to offer solutions all the time, but help you walk through it so you can give yourself your own solutions. But when that came up, I instantly felt like less of a man because I needed to have those conversations. It's true. I felt like I was going to be judged because God was disappointed in me Because I needed to have conversations about mental health. That God didn't want to speak to me because I struggled with mental health. It's not true. It's not true at all. And soon I'm going to get this professional help. I believe I've let the business of life take control of me. And look, I'm making an excuse right there. But I believe there's no excuses when it comes to getting professional help. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that we are all one body. That means it's totally okay to not be okay and also to not have the answers. Because when I don't have the answers, what I do is I send them to someone who does have the answers. Obviously, you know, I send them to God and I tell them to go pray about it. But no, I also send them to people that can facilitate a conversation better than I can. Because sometimes I can't help. The kid says, hey, I'm depressed. I'm struggling with this, 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 and this, and this. And she's a woman. Listen, all respect, I can't help a depressed woman as great as a woman can. And that's just me being honest and me knowing who I am. I I just, I can't do that. So I'm going to say, hey, I know someone who can help you. Because then they're getting the best help they can get. I believe as young leaders, as young people, we want to fix everything so quickly, especially as Jesus people. We want to fix everything so quickly that we forget that people need to grow. People need to go through the tough stuff, like I talked about last week. People need to be met where they are at so that they can feel like they can grow. People are hurting. People are hurting. Let the church, like it's supposed to be, be the safe space. Let it be the safe space that your friend goes to. Let it be that space. And I'm not talking about the four walls. I'm talking about let them go to their church body and feel safety. And feel peace. And feel called. Every human needs a place that they can call home. And when they go home, they know that their mental health isn't going to be looked at and scoffed at. But that it's going to be say, "We're you're hurting. I hurt once too. We're going to go to Jesus together. We're going to get help together. I'm going to find that help for you. And we're going to do it together. And I'll be with you when you get on the other side. So, lead well, young leader. I encourage you. Again. Mental health is an issue that needs to be talked about. We can't sweep it under the rug. Kids are getting more depressed. Kids are getting more anxious. Kids are getting more stressed out. Kids are worrying more. Shout out to my one of my pastors, Mariah Coyne, the worship pastor at my church. She, she had a quote. She said, worrying is almost fun. It's almost popular today. You know, When we have conversations with each other, we're kind of like, oh, are you worrying about this? Oh, that's dope. Okay, me too. I'm worrying about this. And it made me think, sometimes I do that. I make people worry about stuff that they truly don't need to worry about. That they truly isn't a big deal. So, hey, lead well, young leader. Be encouraged that, hey, mental health is an issue that is in the church and it is happening. But also that it's an issue that can be dealt with by first seeking the Lord and walking with people through their crap. Walking through it with them. And also if you're dealing with mental health, find somebody. Don't do it alone. Because if you do it alone, you're going to be scared alone, you're going to be silent, you're going to be angry alone. And you're going to do make dumb decisions alone. Do it with somebody and watch the change that can happen. Lead well, young leader. Next one to go into What's the haps? Hey, welcome back. We're on to what's the haps? What's going on in the world today? This is where we're going to talk about the title, hashtag Hummer Church. Best, best title of everything. It's awesome. But I just want to talk about a couple things as we go through. Let's pull this up. Perfect. Okay. First is looking back at Obama. Okay. Listen, I need you to understand that I have no clue how politics work. I have no clue how the Electoral College works. I have no idea how any of this stuff works. Okay. But I do love people and I do believe that I'm a good reader of people. So now, I know when I post this, people are going to go off and be like, man, he was the worst president ever. He did this, lied about this, made this worse, made this bad. The only thing I can say that I can't mess with the Obamas with is Michelle Obama changing up the way my lunch worked. I understand it helped make kids healthy, but it made skinny kids like me. I just couldn't eat unhealthy foods anymore. I had to eat this whole grain pizza. It was tough. It It was a real sad story. So, and basically what I'm talking about is my old high school, we had a student store and we'd buy, we'd buy food to sell at the student store. And my freshman year, they sold regular pizza, regular food, unhealthy food. And then out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, Michelle Obama was trying to change the world and she did great. Like, I'm not mad at the actual thing. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Why did they change the food? But we had to get whole grain pizza, whole grain this, whole grain that. We could have drink apple juice, we could get orange juice. Slushies had to be a certain thing. Certain. F- it was all over the place. So that's the only thing I can say. But when I look back at Obama, I just imagine, not imagine, I remember being eight years old. Understand that. When Obama... Was elected as the United States president. I was eight, sorry, math is all wrong. 2008. I was 10 years old. Okay, so I was 10 years old when Obama was elected as president. And I can remember going to class, and my teacher, Mr. T, was so excited that Obama was up for president. Super excited. Also, rest in peace, John McCain. You know, person of war. Uh, prisoner of war, sorry. Uh, much respect out to John McCain. Rest in peace. Rest in paradise. Uh, send my respects to the family. All of that. Now, Obama, he... What he won, this is the swagger, okay? Let's just talk about the swagger. Because, again, I'm not here to talk about the politics. I'm going to have some fun. And the swagger of Obama when he won, like... so. We are gonna talk about our country and we're gonna make jobs more you know, just Obama was just doing his Obama thing. And a black man, I'm gonna get a little woke here. A black man got on stage and was a promising a nation that he was going to help turn it around from where it was. Obama helped make minorities feel comfortable in their country. Even if it was just a little bit, it was happening. I can remember my mom looking at the screen and crying, weeping her eyes out. And she said, I never thought this was going to happen in my lifetime. And she was only probably 30, 35 at the time, she said, I never thought in my lifetime that a black president, hence a minority president, not hence, that was the wrong word choice, but a minority president would be elected in my lifetime. I started crying. And that's when I thought, that's when I got the gravity of the situation. So when I look back at Obama, I just appreciate how he brought people together. Now, I know a lot of people were hating. A lot of people don't agree with his politics, and I'm not here for that. I'm just here to look back at, man, that dude Obama, just smooth. He made videos making fun of himself, Thanks, like the Thanks Obama videos. Like, Obama, to me, is amazing. And me as a young black man, I believe that's why kind of where I'm at today. I decided, you know what, I do want to speak well. I want to be able to share because Obama did it. And I believe he's encouraged a lot of black boys to do that. So Obama, thank you. Thank you for encouraging me. Obama might not, probably isn't going to listen to this podcast. But if, hey, if someone wants to share it to Obama so we can listen to this, Obama, I thank you for what you did Miss you, bro. Miss you big time. You just want to come back and visit for a little bit. You know, do a little summer vacation at the White House. Come kick it for a little bit. You do you. Miss you, bro. So next is the the article is a... I'm to give a big shout out to my teachers. In the news recently, I've heard a lot of news about teachers going on strike, teachers not getting paid, uh, schools looking disgusting and just ugly for teachers. And I just want to start with a big shout-out to my teachers. My girlfriend is going into teaching. God bless her heart. Uh, she's super excited for it. She can't wait. And But I just want to give a shout-out to all my teachers. Because I never really realized what you did until I began to date a girl that wanted to teach. And we started having these conversations about class sizes, about the tools, about minority teachers in teaching settings and how hard it is for them to teach. And I'm not a, again, I'm not a expert on this at all. But I just want to say thank you to those teachers. This We're just going to start out with a little bit of thank yous. This is the haps today. Thank you, Obama, and thank you, teachers. Thank you for deciding to, even though some of you Even though your class sizes are ridiculously big, you have decided to still teach kids. To me, that is like, that is so amazing. We need that. Young kids need that. I believe young kids in minority need that. Young kids in places of poverty need that to know that someone is pouring into them. I have so many teachers I could list off. As my home life was crazy, I was still poured into. From them, so teachers, I just want to thank you. I wish I want to go more into that at some point. It'll probably be a lead well young leader, or I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, but I'm super encouraged by these leaders, and I'm encouraged by teachers, and I'm encouraged by the way they lead people, and I'm excited as I'm going into youth ministry, and my girlfriend is teaching. Like we get a impact. So many generations of young people and equip the next generation. Like super, super excited for that. So stoked. So listen, teachers, you're doing great. If there's a teacher listening to this, keep going. Keep going hard. I don't know the whole pay situation for each and every school and how that works. and But what I do know is that thank you for the work that you have done. I appreciate it. As a young dude who hated school, and I know that makes teachers just cringe inside. As a young man that hated school, te- some teachers made it. Man, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow, and even in math classes. And your boy is not good at math. He made me feel encouraged to start school. Okay, so this is this is the story that I am talking about. The U.S. Church, a U.S. Church, is offering teenagers a hummer as a car prize for attending midweek services and bringing newcomers this is the most hilarious the most hilarious tagline i have ever seen U.S. church offer teenagers hummer car as prize <laughs> okay first of all who's driving hummer still that's the first question is if you're still driving a hummer i'm sorry g Like, I haven't seen a Hummer on the road in probably four months. When I do see a Hummer, I look at the person and I say, It makes sense that you're driving a Hummer. Shout out to all my Hummer drivers, but man, those Hummers are ridiculous. Y'all's ridiculous for them Hummers. So, we're going to go over and check this article out. And Hummer Church Leaders Church is giving out a Hummer. First, I want to start off that they're giving it out so that they can bring newcomers and also come to midweek services. So I'm not like, I'm not I'm not going to fake and be like, oh, I'm just so taken aback by this. Like, I've never, this is crazy. But it's a 2006 Hummer, and on the side of it, it says www.sourcechurch.church, and their tagline is The Hummer Up For Grabs For The Lucky Teenager Who Proves Themselves. Who proves themselves to be most active in attending midweek services and in inviting new people in church? Now, first, and it's in an evangelical church, evangelical church, sorry, in Florida. Makes sense that it's in Florida. Okay, so now I'm not that mad about the Hummer situation because it's not like near where I live, it's in Florida. That makes sense. One lucky teenager, a free hummer at the end of August as part of a giveaway designed to boost youth ministry attendance. They would give the keys to a Hummer H3. And the pastor explains, he goes, Pastor Grand Du says it is anybody's game at this point. If you are a grinder and you network, it could be yours. The spread really isn't that far out. And if you are incentivized to get out there and do some marketing, you could be right up there in as the top five as well, according to the Kelly Blue book. this hummer is about to eighty two hundred to ten grand amazing amazing and i'm not i'm not I'm not bashing this because okay, I am bashing it one because it's a hummer. But I'm not really bashing the idea behind it because they're just, they're trying to get people to church. I just thought it was a hilarious tagline. And this is the haps in youth ministry in our country is we we're giving out Hummers, $8,200 Hummers. Now listen, a lot of young people are gonna take the Hummer and flip that because they're gonna realize I now own a Hummer and I don't wanna drive this car, so... That's what I would do. If I wanted, I'd be like, all right, thanks, Pastor. Thanks for the car. I'm going to go sell this, get the racks, and I'm going to go buy me a Hyundai Sonata because I really want a Hyundai Sonata. Love you, Pastor Grant, but this is what's going to have to happen. And I just love this end quote. It says, sometimes when you have so much buy-in in an item like this, there are some emotions that get involved. Me being the new guy and trying to revitalize things, I saw a little bit of pushback from the parents. I have argued that the child has been in the youth group for so many months. I said, look, I get it, but this is not going to be an idol to us. This is a tool. It is inevitable that people's emotions are going to get tied in. That is the only negative as, aspect I see. From a pastoral point, we have to get that across. So shout out to him, you know, putting on the big pastor pants. But there is another negative to this. And you guys know what I'm going to say. You are giving kids, teenagers, a hummer. That's all I'm gonna say. Shout out to all my Hummer drivers, but me personally, when I'm thinking back to as a teenager, and they said, "Hey, do you want a t- you know a Tacoma, or do you want a Hummer?" I'm going to go with the Tacoma, and I don't really want like trucks. Okay, so that is awesome. Such an awesome headline. I was going through the news, and that popped up, and I was like, I have to talk about this on the podcast. So. And also, people are getting fired up about this Hummer. It's just amazing to me that these small little things could just get people fired up. So, shouts out to Hummers. Shouts out to Obama. Thank you to all my teachers. That is what is the HAPS. And next, we're going to go on to I'm Not Mad. I'm Just Disappointed. And finally, we're on, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. And what I want to talk about today is the national anthem, hysteria, what's going on around it, my opinion on it, my process on it, and how I believe both sides can respect what the other side believes. And I don't even enjoy saying sides, but we do know that this has been a divisive issue and that this is going on. So yeah, that's what I want to talk about and soon you, you should be able to understand what I am disappointed about, but I believe that we should talk about it and it should be a conversation that we can have because these are conversations that are happening. I mean, a lot of the conversations that I'm having with my guys nowadays are about this anthem, one of the main dudes I hang out with, main high school guys I hang out with. We've had these conversations about, Nate, what do you think about the national anthem? So I had to share with him what I think. And it was cool talking to him because he's a white dude. It was cool talking to him and him learning and how he believes on it and him learning on it. And also me learning what he thinks about it, which is kind of similar, but also we have different ideas. So first I just want to talk about the idea of the National Anthem and kneeling. Okay? So as I think of the National Anthem, it is you know honoring this country, respecting this country. We do it before every game. I get it. I got it. I did it before every single high school football game, and I would put my hand over my heart and I would pray every single time, all the time. Never took a knee. Never thought about sitting. Never thought about any of that. But in this country, as racial injustice is happening more and more frequently. I can see why Colin Kaepernick said, I can't stand for this. I can't stand for this. And what I love about this protest is Colin Kaepernick was first sitting. And when he was sitting, to me, I can kind of see, okay, you're sitting during the National Anthem. What are you doing? But, like, he went to a veteran who was Nate Boyer. He went to a veteran and said, hey, how do I do this the right way? And he said, you should take a knee. That That's respectful. That would be respectful to me, a veteran. That should be respectful. And as soon as he took that knee, the narrative changed. And it changed quickly. To Kaepernick hates the troops. Kaepernick hates America. Kaepernick doesn't stand for the red, white, and blue. He doesn't love this country. He's not for this country. He doesn't get it. He should just leave and go to a different country. And I don't know where this narrative came from because that is never what he said that wasn't a part of his protest. And I just have three quick points I want to share on this. First is the narrative doesn't need to change. It doesn't have to change. It can be about the protest. And also what goes along with this first point is that the protest <laughs> the protest is meant to be uncomfortable. Martin Luther King didn't go up to others and say, hey, are you comfortable with this? Hey, are you cool with this? Hey, are you all right with this? No, he knew that there needed to be change and that he had to make other people uncomfortable by that change. So yes, he knew that he was sacrificing his his freedom. You know, he was being put in prison so that other people, that he, the dream he didn't get to see could be accomplished in some sort of way. And Kaepernick said, thought one day, he said, I don't know what his thought process was like, but he thought one day and said, I think there's a problem in this country with cops killing unarmed black men, black women, minorities. It's scary. And all the numbers and all these and all that. But I think the bottom line is a protest is supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's doing its job. And it's so funny when I see people just go off their rocker about it when it's doing its job. People are talking about it. People are discussing about it. You're having conversations. Teachers are hosting conversations about it. Like The conversations are happening. And it's just amazing that we try to change the narrative to, well, he hates the country, hates the troops, and he doesn't get it. And he's not for his freedom. And a part of that, I thought this freedom was about having my rights, my right to protest. And as soon as it happened, as soon as it made you uncomfortable, you weren't okay with the protest. And trust me, it's doing its job. The protest is working because people are uncomfortable. The second part is, we can have conversations with each other without tearing the other down. I can remember going on Facebook and saying, I stand with Kaepernick on the national anthem. And 147 comments later, no lie, 147 comments later, the first 10 comments were awesome conversation. I said, hey, what do you think? Some people said, hey, I can't stand for it. I feel like he's disrespecting the flag. Some people said, hey, I'm for it, man. He, he's standing for this racial injustice that's happening in this country. And of course, I agree with that side. But I also said, hey, I appreciate you sharing your argument, your opinion. And I'm glad that we could talk about it in a respectful way. I didn't have to cuss at him. I didn't have to call him names. I didn't have to call him dirty or that you don't get it or that you are racist. But the conversation was happening. And then about the 11th, 12th to the 147th comment was all, he's he doesn't get it. He hates America. He hates the troops. He hates the flag. When it was never about the flag in the first place. I think we have to listen to understand what Colin Kaepernick said, what the protest was about. He said, "I can't stand for something that's not protecting all of its people. Everyone, there is racial injustice in this country, and cops are getting let go." There's this there's this song by Aha Gazelle. He says, "And some police officers have a higher shooting percentage than some NBA players." Fire line. And I'm not here to say I hate cops. I have friends, great friends, who are cops, who are great police, and they protect us. But there is a few bad ones, just in all cultures. And the third one is, we gotta stop throwing in these weak, to me, these weak arguments about it. Because I feel like if Tom Brady had said, "Hey, I'm going to take a knee." <laughs> It wouldn't be met with this much blowback, and that's my opinion. It wouldn't be met with this much blowback. They wouldn't say, Man, you hate America. They'd say, Wow, maybe he's actually standing for something. But why can't we do that with Colin? The man's out of a job now. <laughs> because the NFL decided, nah, no, that's not gonna we're not gonna stand with that. And what does it hurt to say, yes, there's racial injustice in this country? It doesn't hurt anything. But often when I have these conversations with people, it's, well, he's disrespecting the flag. He's disrespecting our country. You must stand for that flag, toe on the line. That is our nation. That is our country. But when there's people hurting, we can't talk about the injustice that is happening. We're totally ignoring that part of the conversation because i'm all for you sharing your side that you believe that the flag needs to be that you need to stand for the flag and that you must understand the flag and you must get the power of the flag but at the end of the day that's just a flag our country is awesome our country has freedom and i am so thankful and i thank god for the freedoms that i have in this country but it also can't stand for people unarmed men being shot in the streets and then sons being taken away from mothers i i can't I can't stand for that. I just can't do it, so the idea that i'm that we're just going to sit back and let it happen that can't that can't be true, and it can't happen and as a society and I believe as a faith society, we have to have these conversations. I once was told Nate, just butt out the politics. no, why is everything have to be? politics people are being killed people are being hurt can't we just say hey i just don't want people to be killed when was lives made political when were lives made political when were we taking black lives and said well they're just a number they're just a t- t- statistic i saw a comment the other day and facebook's not a good place but that said well let's not even talk about those that are injured well they're still being shot at let's talk about those That are injured. Again, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed that the narrative of the protest was changed. And some people say, well, Nate, it's the next year. Forget about it. No, I'm not going to forget about it. Until I can rest assuredly knowing that unarmed black men, unarmed men, unarmed people of color are not being killed in these streets. I, I can't rest on that. And for a while, I was like, man, should I talk about this? I don't know if this is PC. I don't know who I'm going to offend. But at the end of the day, that's what a protest is supposed to be about. It's going to offend people. And like I say, I like to host honest conversations. And I want comments saying, hey, this is what I agree. This is what I agree. But I don't want disrespect. I don't want you to call me racist. Call me I hate this country. tell me to go back home. This is my home. I was born in Lakewood, Washington in the United States. I am from here. This is my home, so if you tell me to go back home I'm gonna go about four minutes away from where I'm working at, and I'm gonna come back home to my house with my beautiful family. Not like I don't have kids myself and I'm not married myself, but the family the family I live with, whatever. all I'm saying is it's not politics when we're caring about other people's lives, and that's that's what I believe. other people. People's lives are at stake, and as a Jesus, as a Jesus guy, as a Jesus guy, I have to stand on that. Me personally, I have to stand on that. You Knowing people are hurting, people are scared. I know young black men, fifteen-year-olds, are scared to get pulled over because they don't know what's going to happen. And people say, "Well, we'll just come correct, come correct." Well, I should be able to say, "Hey, officer." I was speeding. I'm going to go get my go, go get my insurance card and not feel like I'm in danger just because I'm reaching for my insurance card. Well, don't reach for your insurance card like that. Well, don't be so quick to think I'm going to pull out a weapon. And again, I know there's so many layers to that of of police. I've I've spoken to police officers and saying, well, you live in a high high crime town that you have to be more cautious. And I, I hear that. But I'm thinking just from the idea of young black men driving around the city feeling like their lives are in danger because they were just going five miles under the, over the speed limit. All I'm saying is that if we could just have honest conversation and love each other when we talk about the National Anthem, I believe we could have great conversation about the National Anthem. But until we do that, I believe we're just going to keep going back and forth at each other. And every other Sunday, we're going to talk about Facebook posts about how you hate the next NFL player that took a knee or that raised their fist or that decided not to go out for the national anthem. It's making us uncomfortable. And I believe that is working. Again, guys, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And I'm praying. I'm praying for this country. I'm praying for the people of this country. And I'm praying that we, praying that we can come together and have conversations about this. Because when I have a great, facilitated, positive conversation about this, man, I walk away more knowledgeable about the other sides. And also walk away feeling that I was listened and I was heard too. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Also, don't forget that every Wednesday we are dropping a new podcast. Every Wednesday, a new podcast will be dropping. So I'll see you guys next week on Wednesday. Peace. Thanks again for watching the Youth of the Nation podcast. Again, you can connect with me by email at naeperdean at gmail.com. If you have any questions, commentary, or just want to ask me a question, go ahead and email me. Also, you can connect with me on social media on Instagram at underscore Kybird. Again, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Youth of the Nation podcast. Don't forget, keep it real, keep it love, peace.